Our mm. podcast handle really trips you up. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we are here to talk, hopefully, about Tottenham Hotspur and not just Harry Kane this week, although I am sure we will fail in that regard. Before we get started, we have a little bit of podcast business to attend to. First, follow our new Twitter feed uh, at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. And leave us some nice five-star reviews on iTunes. That would be very nice, and it would make us very happy because we crave your validation, and that's really what we're all here for. And finally, it's time for some recognition on the podcast because I don't think we can let it pass without comment. We believe that last week our very own Brian with a Y Ashlock went an entire podcast without muting himself. I could see him checking his microphone to make sure he's not muted when I, when I throw it to him right here because that would be really funny. Brian... How, how do you feel on this momentous occasion? Uh, I thought about leaving it muted as a bit, um, <laughs> but then I realized that neither of you would believe me when I said it was a bit, so I'm just going to say that I don't mute myself a lot more often than I get credit for. Really? Like at least At least a dozen times a show, I remember to unmute. <laughs> It's, it's unfortunately close only counts in horseshoes and hands. So fair enough. Was there another question I was supposed to answer? No, no, that was it. I just wanted to. I was really contemplating the whole whether or not I was going to do a bit thing, and I t- tuned out to all the words that you said. That's totally fine. Also joining us this week is our non-muted co-host uh, Ben Daniels. Ben, are, are you excited to not be muted once again as well? Yeah, and I like to say, you know, nobody ever gives me any credit for all the times I don't run over a bunch of school children while I'm drunk driving. And I, I think, you know, some recognition <laughs> is due. I feel like that's an apples and hand grenades situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of uh, hand grenades, I, I guess we could lead it off with uh, some Harry Kane talk this week. because We didn't do enough of that last week. Uh, right now, the the rumors are uh, that either Harry Kane wants out of Tottenham. Let me let me actually back up for a second. We are recording this on Tuesday night in America, in case anything changes rapidly between now and the time you listen to this. Nothing has dramatically changed with Harry Kane. There are rumors that Harry Kane still wants to leave Spurs, being spread by some city reporters. There are also some. Uh, it started as ITK, and then uh, Alistair Gold reported it as an actual fact that Harry Kane is maybe potentially open to a contract extension. Uh, I don't think we have a lot to say about whether or not we think either of those things is true. What I am interested in, and Ben, I'll start with you, because somehow you are even more bitter and jilted about Harry Kane than I am, which admittedly is a feat. Um, for the sake of argument, because I think we talked extensively about how we feel about Harry Kane leaving, how would you feel if Harry Kane, by hook or by crook, ended up staying at Spurs, signing an extension, or just not finding a place at City when the game of musical chairs stops? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm ready for him to go. Um, I've made my mental peace with it. I think I will be salty if he stays. I think there's a number of goals he could score to make me feel better about the situation. Um, I think it's just one of those things where if it's he signs a new deal and it has a release clause so he can leave for next season, um, you know, I'm not going to be thrilled about it. Uh, if he signs a new contract and decides to stay forever, the sour taste in my mouth, I think, will go away. And I will remember him fondly as a lifelong Spurs player and Spurs fan. Um, but I, I don't... At this point, I, I think I just... I'm excited about the possibilities of, of selling him and reinvesting in the team and doing a lot of the things that you know we've wanted him to do for years. And he has done his damnedest to make me feel good about um, letting him be the the vehicle for that reinvestment. So, well, yeah, and I think I'm unprepared for him to stay. <laughs> I, I, I think the thing about it is, is like, like Ben said, is if he does sign a new contract, are we going to deal with this next season and the season after that? And I would feel more confident that we wouldn't have to deal with that stuff if the Gary Neville interview hadn't happened. Um, but you know, where you've got him kind of on the record saying, you know, I feel like I need to leave to win things. I want to, you know, different experiences, want to win trophies, da, 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 da. Well, is that all of a sudden going to change just because he got a new contract? And, uh, you know, whether the contract has a release clause or not, you know, I'm, I'm not excited about this kind of transfer and, and, you know, sort of playing out the string and seeing what happens next summer. I mean, with Gareth Bale and him going to Real Madrid, that seemed okay to wait a summer on. And the same thing with Modric where you thought, okay, well, he might go next summer, but at least we were pretty confident he won't go to Chelsea. Um, yeah, I, with Kane, we just know what the destination is. It, it just doesn't – I'm not interested in that. I think if I could, like, square the circle with everything that's happening right now, it seems to me that Harry Kane is saying, I want to leave. Levy is saying, you can leave if we get the money. And – Harry saying, okay, if I, if I don't get to leave, then I want a new contract with an explicit release clause, none of this gentleman's agreement bullshit, and when they match that price next summer, I am guaranteed to be able to leave. Yeah, and I think we I think find he's... ourselves in a kind of moderate situation where we buy ourselves one more year and get ourselves like a kind of guarantee yeah. about next season. And I'm not sure I'm opposed to that because I think like part of what made the Grealish situation so... I mean, Ben, you've talked about how Villa fans don't seem overly thrilled about this, but part of what made it slightly less contentious was it was a it was a binary. Like he had a release clause, they met it, and it didn't. You know, there, there's no room. Like he didn't have to miss training or give shitty interviews with Gary Neville. It was like he just had to say yes. And you know, I, I mean, certainly a vibe I've gotten during this whole transfer saga, and I'm pretty confident actually that this is what's going on. Is Harry Kane wants to leave. I do think there is a price at which Levy would let him go at, and I think City are being cheap about it. I don't think they want to do what it would take or anything approaching what it would take to get Harry Kane out of Spurs. I think they want to do this, like, we'll give you 60 million pounds plus Laporte, and here's a box of autographed pictures of Sergio Aguero. That, you know, like, that, that's like $150 million. It, You know, they're not willing to give us the sort of straight cash payment that it would take to get him out of Spurs, or even something approximating that, you know, like 
if they were throwing 120 million around or 130 million around and we won 150 like I think that's what's going on and there is a level at which I would be fine if like Kane's like all right fine I'm going to give you a year you put a 120 million dollar release clause in my contract and then there is a level at which that just removes like city doesn't have to play games they either want them or they don't and if he's stuck here he's stuck here I mean but you know it's it's Brian I think you made a good point or you brought some up something that I think is useful is you know, as I've listened to Spurs fans, I was listening to the extra inch earlier today as I read what Spurs fans are saying as I talk to you guys. Like, a lot of this gets framed in terms of him not reporting for training, but it is more than that. And I think we all have internalized that, even if we don't talk about it. It is the Neville interview. It is him when he gave the Neville interview. When, technically, we had a chance at the Champions League. We could have qualified for the Champions League at the time he gave that Gary Neville interview, which doesn't excuse all the other things that are going wrong at the club, but you know, facts are facts, and he gave that at a very unpleasant time uh, for, you know, in terms of trying to achieve our goals last season. And it is disrespectful, and it's, you know, I think he'll probably come back from that, but, you know, we've talked about this extensively. There's always been the sense that, you know, Kane doesn't feel that connection to the club as deeply as we do, and that's probably unreasonable for us to expect him to feel as deeply as we do, but... You know, I think he's kind of confirmed that in a way where it was just kind of like, you know, it's like sort of nagging at the back of your head when you watch the way he talks, when he interacts with fans, how he carries himself. I think it's been confirmed now that he doesn't care as much as we'd like him to care, or as, at least or we think he should care. And, you know, like you said, Ben, there's probably a number of goals if he gets stuck here that, like, will make it all forgiven. And it'll be like, you know, when Gerard didn't leave for Chelsea and everyone kind of agreed to forget about it. But, you know, I think it's, it's exposed some wounds and it's going to be harder to come back from. I, I think I'd like it to be, you know, I, I, as you've heard on this podcast, I'm very enamored of him being the sort of one club man legend. I would like it to get there. I would, I think there's a lot I'd be willing to forgive if it worked out that way, but it's, I think it'll be hard to forget this. Yeah, I think lest we run the risk of tumbling down the exact same rabbit hole we spent 90 minutes on last week, um, I think there's a new development that makes my feelings about Harry Kane leaving even more comfortable, yes. is that we're finally being linked with somebody who is about as good a replacement as as you could get um, in, in the market of strikers right now, and it looks like it has real legs. It looks like there's a real possibility that this is what's well, going to happen. It looks like we were going to actually do it until Chelsea fucked everything up as they want to do. But we are being linked with Lautaro Martinez. I think I'm saying that right. I apologize if I'm not. Um, from Inter Milan, who... Uh, Brian, I'll, I'll start with you on this. But I got to say, if, if you told me Harry Kane was leaving and we were going to get something between 100 and 120 million for him, Within reason, I think the two strikers that, I, that would be at the top of my list to replace him, and honestly, before this link, I would have assumed might be eat up a little too much of that cane fee, are Martinez and um, Isaac, at, I think I'm saying that right, at uh, Real Sociedad. Isak. Isak, yeah. Anyway, he, those are the two strikers that if we were going to buy a replacement for Kane, I think those are the best best strikers within reason you could expect Spurs to target, at least in terms of established performance and I'm honestly I mean I think it's partly because Inter is way more broke than we all thought they were um but man I'm I mean 
I don't think he's as good as Kane, but I think it's hard to imagine us doing much better than him or Isaac. Yeah, and I mean, I think Tammy Abraham's probably also on that list, but then you have to like factor in dealing with Chelsea. Yeah, I don't think he was um, ever. I mean, as long as anyone else was willing to buy him, I don't think Tammy Abraham was ever on the table. But yeah, yeah. I mean, although it is a little annoying that it looks like he's going to Roma for like what, like thirty four, thirty five million, which is, you know, about half of what we would the rumored price for Lautaro is. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I think if you are replacing him not with an amalgamation of Son, Vlaovic, and uh, I don't know, sometimes Lucas, sometimes Delhi, sometimes Dane Scarlett, but you're replacing with an actual, you know, striker that has, uh, you know, a pedigree in the top flight that has, you know, averages more than um, 0.6 XG a game or something like that in, in across the league and Champions League. Um, yeah, I, I I think that's great. I mean, Lautaro is proven international with Argentina. He won the league with Inter. Um, you know, I think the criticism that he gets leveled at him is that he is sort of uh, the 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 in behind kind of goal poacher, sort of Sergio Aguero light type of player, and that he doesn't you know do as much work in the build up as Kane does. Um, but I. Th- think his just all around skill set is still higher than you know the the Fiorentina guy Vlahovic or however we're saying that um just based on track record and and, and results I, I I mean I don't know who else like other than other than Isak who is probably more well-rounded I don't know who else you would want I mean I'd want Lukaku but I just think that was probably off the table. <laughs> right. And the reality is, like, we're not selling our 28-year-old striker to buy a similarly priced 28-year-old striker. Like, the thing about Lotaro is he's, you know, he's 23, about to be 24. Um, you know, that you're buying a lot of his peak years, and you have the ability then to move him on if need be, or let, like Eric Lamella before him, become an Argentine one-club man, <laughs> legend at Tottenham Hotspur. Um, but, you know, I think the the situation at Inter, despite selling Lukaku for over 100 million pounds, looks like it's actually financially favorable to us. Um, you know, when, when they started the summer, they, they swore to Simone Inzaghi that they were only going to sell Hakimi, and that was the only transfer business they were doing. Well, that was and specifically then, sold to the, him and their fans. Is like, we are selling him so we don't have to sell everyone else. Right, and I think Conte probably left because he knew that wasn't the case. I don't know. But, you know, now they sold Lukaku, and now the rumor is that their owner is, like, having a fire sale, and anybody who comes in for anybody, um, if the price is right, they're, they're cashing in. Um and, you know, their finances are a little more precarious than anybody believed for a team that just won the title. So it sounds like there's a real possibility that this is this is doable. Well, it's um, funny. It sounds like he wants to come and, like, has a relationship with Romero and Los Celso from the national team. And, you know, that is that helps. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really feels like this has has legs, especially if. It, it's funny when you look at how this how this was released because we just got this report 
from the Times. So it was like a real paper. It's not like the Express or some weird ITK. But this report comes out from the Times that like we've had a bid accepted for for Lataro and you know, gold confirms it shortly thereafter. And then like 15 minutes after all of this, the report comes out that like, no, this has been like turned down because of the Lukaku stuff. It's not happening. And then subsequent reporting comes out, like his agent said he's not interested, but subsequent reporting, I think makes it pretty clear that Inter have a price. Their financial situation is so screwed up that this isn't actually dead. And they're just blowing hot air to get as much out of us as they can. Which is pretty crazy. Um, I know some of the reporting has said that we are buying him with the intention of playing him alongside Kane. I don't know how true that is, but Ben, how do you think, with or without Kane, how how is he getting used at Spurs? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you know you're talking about the media games Inter's playing. I think we're playing the same game as yeah. on the, all the Harry Kane level. Is that you know if we buy Lotaro Martinez, Man City knows they have a lot of leverage in buying Harry Kane. If we need Kane fee to actually pay for this guy, um, that's going to make it a lot harder to hold firm on our, on our price tag. Um, so I think, you know, a corollary to all the Kane news that's coming about, about is he going to sign a new contract? Maybe he's staying is kind of to, you know, just strengthen that negotiating position as we move for Kane's replacement. Um, if they if Kane stays and we get Lautaro, you know, I think I mean he and Lukaku played together phenomenally well at Inter. Um, you know, there's no reason to think he and Kane wouldn't play as well, if not better. Frankly, um, you know, as you as you mentioned, he's a kind of guy who likes to run in behind and do a lot of that. You know, maybe like a little one touch pass and then peel off and 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 make those runs. Um, and you expect them to kind of link up much the same way that. Kane and Son did, where Kane kind of drops deep and, and plays those balls in behind and, uh, you know, obviously is able to return the favor. Um, if Kane leaves, then you're looking at him as a lone striker. And I think there's probably some nervousness, given how successful his partnership with Lukaku has been, um, that maybe he's not enough of a, a lone striker. Um, and I don't think those are unfounded concerns. Um, he appears to have played as a lone striker before, and still done well. Um, I think the thing that makes me a little anxious is that, you know, looking at the way Wolves played, uh, Raul Jimenez was their their striker, and he's much more of a kind of like lump-in-the-box figure, not, uh, you know, a guy who can hold the ball up, a guy who has more of a sort of back-to-goal striker skill set um, than I think Martinez has. And so, you know... There's probably going to be some kind of adjustment um, to how, you know, if you're building a team to play around Harry Kane, uh, you know, you have a guy who plays the striker role differently, um, and that's going to require some adjustment. But, you know, I think we've seen the way Sun plays striker, and it is not very hold uppy. It is a lot of running in behind. It's it, and it, it works, you know. Um, I think this guy is more of a striker than Sun is, but has a similar kind of style um but I, I i don't know i think there's a lot of questions about how nuno wants us to play and because we've gone this whole preseason without Kane, without a real striker with so many people not in the team yet i think we just don't really know what the whole setup's going to be what what he wants his version of tottenham hotspur to look like but 
given the production that he has managed over the last few seasons um, in a lot of minutes, I think it's very clear that he is a, a top level elite striker who is going to come in and do a job. I mean, he's better than putting all the, I think, I think it's clear if we're going to move Kane on, like, I mean, we need to replace that production in multiple positions because just no one, there's no one on the market who can do what Kane does. But he's better than I thought we'd do in terms of getting a straight. He's certainly better than that guy from Fiorentina. I mean, maybe we'll buy him and we'll get like a big little thing like we haven't had since Defoe and Crouch. I don't know. I mean, Brian, you look at just putting aside, because we're going to talk about how Mio wants us to play in a minute, but putting that aside for a second, just in terms of personnel, I mean, how do you feel about the sort of attack that Spurs can throw out there if, I mean, swap out Lautaro for Kane? I mean, you know, obviously we're going to play differently, but how do you feel about that? I mean, you've got Delhi, Son, uh, Mark Lataro, obviously. I mean, then you've got like some combination of Lucas, Bergvine, Lacelso, and Dombla. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, that, that's you know, I think if we had a manager who was a little more distinguished than Nuno, I think we honestly feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I mean, I think. The only concern I have is that we don't really have an improvement over Lucas and or Bergvine. I think the hope that you're operating on under the... Brian Heal, baby. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we know that he's an improvement. I mean, obviously, we want him to play and get minutes and, and like, he's something to dream on. And, and that's fine. I'm not I'm not trying to, you know... He's a project. He's a project, I know. But... But yeah, like in terms of in terms of that other attacking winger that plays opposite Sun, you're hoping that either um, Bergvine takes the leap or that Lucas plays like preseason Lucas and not all other times of the year Lucas. Um, so uh, I, we're really harsh might... on a guy who probably gave me like my best moment as a Spurs fan. I mean, there's other reasons we're harsh on him, but like, sure, yeah. I mean, look. Yeah, that would mean I could never criticize him then. You know? I'm just uh, saying. I'm just just saying. because he gave me one moment that still literally... Yeah, but what a moment. <laughs> I yeah, mean, you know, like no, three moments, you know, really. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I, I think that is the position that if you look at the attack, that's the weakest. I think it is a very interesting attack. I know you said we'll kind of get on to how Nuno wants to play later, but I think the ultimate answer is none of us have any fucking idea um and so you know the only things we do know are it is going to feature some combination of Hungbin's son and um Kane or some other striker whether that other striker is Lautaro or whatever and those are probably the best parts of it um I think Delhi's looked good this preseason I'm excited for what he can potentially do this year um so I, but I, I think the front three, generally speaking, is it, it would be a lot stronger if we had someone else that I was very confident in to take that third spot. So let's talk about how we've looked. Uh, we just we we played uh, several preseason games against MK Dons, Colchester. We just played Chelsea and Arsenal. Um, I did not have a chance to watch the Arsenal game, Ben. I know you did. A lot of pundits, again, I haven't seen it, but a lot of pundits I've seen have been praising Nuno after this game for how structured we look. Now, I, I want to be very clear how much joy it gives me to say this. I don't know how much we can take away from playing a Mikel Arteta Arsenal side, but, I, you know, the, 
the plaudits and feedback I saw online were fairly positive. I mean, it seems like, again, we don't have Kane or whatever, but it seems like he's building something coherent here. Yeah, I mean, I think both teams were about equally strength, look like how they'll probably start the season at any rate. Um, you know, if anything, we were missing our whole back line. We had, you know, Tanganga, Sanchez, Dyer, and Regulon. I think of those four guys, Regulon's really the only guy you expect to play significant minutes this season. Um, you know, uh, skipping Hoiberg in midfield, and then Bergvine, Deli, Lucas behind Sun. And all, all of that um, being said, we really comfortably handled Arsenal. And I think Arsenal are bad. Uh, and that is not necessarily, like you said, like a great test. But we never really looked in any danger. Um, I don't think we like piled on the scoring opportunities like you'd like, but it, in a preseason match against Arsenal, we were very, very comfortable. And, you know, Delhi missed two chances off the post that were like, you know, the kinds of goals that are like probably like 0.7 XG. Like it was like harder, harder to miss than to score. Um, and, you know, we had a few other really good opportunities as well. And I don't think Arsenal had a real chance all match. Um, so it was a comfortable outing and, the ways in which we were a little deficient, um, I'd say, you know, midfield was one of them. The Skip Hoybier midfield has not been as as good at moving the ball as you'd like. You know, we kind of saw Pierre in the Euros play a little more advanced, um, do a little more progressive things, rack up some assists, and look like more of a creator than he did for us. And I at least hoped when he was paired with a a, a guy like Skip who can carry some more of that defensive work that we'd see a, a freer Koibjerg. And we didn't really get that. Um, you know, Skip wasn't doing a lot of surging forward with the ball either. Um, you know, when Lo Celso finally came on for the last half hour, it was dramatic um, how much better we were at moving the ball through midfield. Um, and so, you know, the fact that we were able to control the game as well as we did with probably our last choice midfield. Um, well, not last choice. We still have Winks and Suzoko on the books, but you know what I mean? Um, gives me hope that when everybody is fit and firing, um, we'll, we'll be able to do more of that. Um, and likewise, the number of chances that we were able to create, I think is dramatically improved when we get a real striker in this system and, you know, are playing, playing Sun and Daly off of that striker rather than Lucas and Bergvine off of Sun. Um, in terms of how we want to play, you know, I think, again, a lot of this is limited by the selection, but we, we spent a lot of time looking for opportunities to hit them quickly down the, down the flanks. And I think given the strength of some of the guys like Los Celso and Deli and Ndombele in midfield, I would like to see us use that part of the pitch better. Um, but, you know, there was a real plan. And while it wasn't my favorite plan, um, we seem to be affecting it pretty well. And Lucas, I must say, had another very, very strong game um, in that kind of ball-carrying wide player role. Um, you know, I mean, we already have a Delhi looking good. But it, well, Tang, Tanganga has been another guy who's got, I mean, he's hurt again, but, you know, a lot of praise out of this game. Yeah, yeah I thought you know, he looked really good in this game. 
Um, specifically, you know, he did get the assist for the goal. Um, it's and, a really and, nice move. Him and LaCelso had a – that I at least saw. That very, very nice moves to set up Son. Well, and I thought he was also, you know, if he's playing, if we're playing this kind of lopsided formation where Regulon has the, the license to get forward and we need to play a more defensive right back on the other side, uh, I think Tanganga is pretty good at that. Um, he looked, he looks calm on the ball. He looks like he knows what he's doing. He does do a decent job, I think, of getting forward when he has to and, and picking his opportunities to give us some width. Um, it's very much not like a, a, a Toby Alderweireld or Eunice Cobble playing right back type of situation. He's he's comfortable out there. Um, and then the other thing hey, I liked from Kabul had the most important assist from right back in our history. That's, That's true. true. <laughs> sure, he did. It's true. I keep forgetting that I can't criticize players that did one exactly. Game That's right. Exactly. Yeah, um, so what I will never slander Paul Stalteri ever again. Well, that's uh, true. You should never do that. Um, but like, I thought Davinson actually played okay in this game. He hit some pretty nice diagonal balls over the top. Um, and I kind of liked that aspect of the system where, you know, look, we did, you know, kind of barely win the possession battle in this game, but like, we were still looking for quick vertical transitions. And I wondered if without Toby in the team, where those would come from, uh, you know, uh, they would have to, you know, you would think come from quickly getting the ball from defense to one of Lasso and Dombele and then allowing them to play over the top, um, which isn't necessarily either of their games. And so to see Davinson hit some, pretty nice diagonals to allow Sun to run on to. Um, you know, I, I like that. I can see how that would be something that would work if you had a player like Lautaro up top um, because he is also kind of, you know, a, sort of a poacher, sort of someone that will get in behind. Um, and 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 I really liked some of the stuff that Reggion was doing on, on the left side. I mean, he had a couple of Really nice attacks, really nice job where he carried the ball forward and, and, and we ch- changed defense to attack really quickly. And I think, you know, we all got a little bit tired of, like, counterattacking football um, under Jose Mourinho. Uh, but this team is still kind of has the horses to do that. Um, and so if we're just, you know, spending more time focusing on you know, quick transitions rather than just sitting deep. Um, I think we can really hurt some teams. And and you really saw that, like, in a lot of circumstances, our speed was way too much for Arsenal. Yeah, I think the comparison to Jose is unfortunate, but kind of correct. Like, it did feel very much like a Jose kind of setup, but with much better structure to it, I think, from front to back, the defense looked better organized, um, and the way we transitioned didn't feel like, you know, Jose's. I don't train attack. I just trust people to go out there and do it. It seemed like people had ideas about what kinds of runs they were supposed to be making, you know, where they were supposed to collect these long balls, and what they were supposed to do in the final third. Like it seemed like there was much more of a plan um, to to kind of create chances once we moved down there. Um, you know, to go back to Brian's comment about the speed of transition, it's one thing that Wolves weren't great at. Like, they would transition quickly in their spots, 
but it was also a lot of really labored pass the ball around, pass the ball around, you know, like the midfielders' jobs were to like keep the ball safe, get it back to the center backs, get it back to the midfielders until you find that opportunity to get it wide to one of the wing backs or like a Domitriori and hope they could just take off. And if they couldn't, it's just reset, start over, whatever. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that I would like to see us be better at in in, in possession is figuring out ways to get forward effectively. But also but we're missing at least one of our starting. Of guys. Yeah. Right, it'll come. But at the transition game, we seem comfortable. You know, it's a natural way to build on something we were already doing for Jose Mourinho's tenure. And frankly, you know, in the quote-unquote air raid system under Pochettino in his last year, you know, it's a thing guys are familiar with doing, and we looked comfortable doing it. Brian, how do you feel about Nuno now? Do you, are, are you, you feel better about him than when we hired him? About the same? I mean, it's preseason. I think it's been a productive, positive preseason for Spurs, but, you know, we don't, as every Spurs fan who was around when we beat Roma 5-0 will tell you, that doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, how are you coming out of this preseason feeling about Nuno? I mean, about the same. Um, I, I Like you say, it's hard to look too far into preseason results. I mean, I think what was the, the, the season we had two points from uh, the first seven or nine games or whatever it was. Eight games? Uh, you really forgot two points <laughs> wow. from eight games? I really wow. forgot. I did really forget the whole fucking slogan. Two, point, two I, points, seven or nine games. Yeah, That's something like it. that. Eight games. I was sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, it's seven? Is it six, nine? No, it was six eight. Six points it was for nine games. Is that it? No. No. But I think we were undefeated that preseason. Um, and then, you know, there's been plenty of, you know, great results on various tours. And Tom Carroll single-handedly beating, you know, a Malaysian 11 or whatever. Was that postseason? I, I think know. that was, yeah, I think it was. Um, but that was a great result for Tom Carroll. And look what's happened to him. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't think you read too much into friendlies. I especially don't think you can read too much into them where you don't have, you know, some of your best players playing or, or all of your new signings playing. Um, I guess my only hope is for Nuno is that he will just play our best players and not needlessly feud with people. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> That doesn't look like what's happening. Um, so we'll see. I, I think I think it'll be okay still, which was what I how I felt when we hired him. Uh, so so I think it will still be okay. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, you're obviously alluding to Indombele was not in this game. He was uh, it's been acknowledged by the team or at least by Nuno and reporters that he was fit and available to play or at least fit enough and available to play. We'll get to that in a second. Um, it's uninjured. It, it, yes, th- thank you, Ben. Uh, he has been uh, before this season. He the implication in the reporting has been that he is a new father this off season, and that has set him back a little bit in training. Was the implication as to why he missed some of the other preseason friendlies? As a relatively new father, I can understand that. Uh, but there is this worry now. There's been some light reporting around how Indombele is considering his options and might want to leave. It's all been very vague, uh, and it's not kind of clear how serious that is, how much that has to do with whether or not Nuno is selecting him or whether or not that has to do with it seems like Spurs are trying to move on his two best friends and Sissoko and Aurier. So 
it's kind of unclear what's going on. Uh, ben, I, I, I mean, you know, it seems like Indombele is having issues getting into the starting 11. I mean, A, how seriously are you taking this? And, I mean, B, how inconsolable are you? <laughs> oh, I'll, I'm very inconsolable. But, and I am taking it seriously, but it is hard to figure out what exactly things mean. Like, what we know is... He's been training at least for the last week or so. We got some training videos from the Spurs Twitter account to make everyone feel better who is worried about Ndombele. Thank um, you, admin, yes. You know, we know that he wasn't in the team and that, you know, he was selected for, not selected for, not injury reasons. Um, you know, it's possible that this is the same shit that we've seen from him before where he's not a guy who seems to be naturally very fit and not, maybe not a guy who loves training to get into fitness. Um, and maybe that's all that's holding him back. And it's just a matter of time before, you know, he's up to speed and ready. It's also possible that Nuno's looking at him in training and he's like, I don't, I don't see it. Um, you know, if he's unhappy and wants to leave for emotional and personal reasons, I would say, for a guy we spent that much money on who we've seen be very talented, we should be doing more to make sure he is happy and has the things he needs to feel good about life in England and life at Tottenham Hotspur. Like, you know, we, we buy players and drop them in an unfamiliar country in an unfamiliar city and, you know, expect them to just hit the ground running and don't really take into account that these are human beings who uproot their lives to do this. And like, some people don't handle it very well. And, you know, you, you know, you always see like, the Argentine collectives across like London clubs or Brazilian groups of players that are all like BFFs. And it's like, you feel weird as a fan to see like Sandro hanging out with David Luiz, but like, yeah, like they know each other and they're in a strange place. And so for Aurier and Suzuko to be like kind of anchors for, uh, for Ndombele's mental well-being, uh, I get how that might be a challenge and might be a reason why he's not happy. It's not like he's had the best of time on the pitch at Spurs to keep him here. So, you know, if it's a playing issue with Nuno, if I'm Daniel Levy, I'm saying, just like I said to Jose, let's see if you can work it out. Um, if you can't after a year, you know, fine, sell him, move him on, see what we can do. But like, the two weeks that they've had together where Ndombele was like having a baby, um, I don't think there's enough time for this new manager to make that call. And it uh, could be. Unless yeah. something like really serious is happening. He's like, fuck you, I'm not training. But from what we've heard, and it's been reported many, many times, is that Ndombele is not a confrontational person, is very shy, and sometimes his shyness is taken for aloofness or elitism. Um, but you know, that's something that you can work through. We've all seen Ted Lasso by now. Like, you know. Yeah, be a goldfish, uh, Tangi. Uh, no, it's, it's, I think that's what I find frustrating about this is because we get this like very, and I don't want to be too accusatory with reporters here, but I do think there's an issue in how it's reported, which is you get this sort of very vague, these very vague statements. He's considering his future. He was not selected you know, and I understand that Spurs are going to want to be circumspect about this, whether or not they're like, you know, there's probably some sort of problem here and we don't know what it is. And they're probably being circumspect for a reason just because they don't want to air their dirty laundry or his dirty laundry or their business out there. But 
you just get this sense, and I get it from a lot of Spurs beat reporters, that like they have a much better idea of what's going on than they're actually letting on. And you're getting this, and you get this, I think, a lot in, you know, at least English soccer journalism, but, you know, in other parts of Europe, too, from what we can tell from translations, which is just like the reporter knows, and either he's not willing to actually report it unless he's Fabrizio Romano, or, and he just takes that and lets it inform his speculation. So you have to, like, read between the lines and try and figure out what the hell they're talking about. Because there's certainly this, like, implication that, like, Tongi is lazy and doesn't train well. But, like, like you said, is that just, like, he's not a naturally fit person? And it's, like, because of that, he just doesn't look impressive in training. And this is something the manager kind of has to, like, come to grips with. Because, you know, there's a very understandable thing here of like you know Nuno's not like fuck this guy I want him out of here but he might be like you need to like train hard for another week or two before I'm going to put you in the team because right now you're just behind on fitness or like you said Ben there could be is is Tangi being like being told to you know do suicide laps up the hill and he just sort of stares at him and doesn't do anything we just don't know and it's instead we get these sort of insinuations and you know, illusions that just, like, you know, let different Spurs fans get, you know, let their mind travel to wherever they feel like it can go. And we just have no idea what's going on. I would venture to say something is happening just because where there's smoke, there's fire, as you might have heard on this podcast before. But it's just, it's frustrating to me that we don't, that someone just won't write what's happening. Like, or at least be clearer about what's happening. Because I think they have a much better idea than we're, than we're reading. <laughs> I mean, I think this is kind of a historical problem with Tongi as well. Um, this is something that followed him through France. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons why he didn't end up uh, staying on with Gangomp out of their academy. It, it was one of the reasons why, um, you know, he ended up with Amiens because um, he, you know, lots of other clubs thought he was overweight. Um, it was one of the reasons why he, it, was, it was a problem that he had at Lyon. Even after he moved uh, from from Amien. Uh so I I think this is just kind of par for the course, and he's maybe someone who needs to play himself into shape through games rather than through you know structured training. Um, my only issue with that is is if you are Spurs fitness staff and sports science team and you aren't aware of that at this point i find that questionable like you know like if you're just like hey look this isn't you know this is his body composition this is kind of what his body composition always is um and you know, what we find is that if he if he gets a run of games then that builds his fitness and whatever all these other things that the, the that portion of the team is supposed to be focused on um they should be providing that feedback to Nuno. And so, you know, without real actual reporting um, from, you know, sources inside the club or anything, I, I don't know that we can draw any real conclusions over what's going on other than Tongi just does this every year. And, and, and it's up to Nuno to figure out how he's going to deal with it. I am pretty confident he's not getting sold. I mean, I, I don't 
I think the clubs that have the money to buy him are clubs we are absolutely not selling to. So, you know, we'll see. But it's just, it's frustrating. Because I think one of the things I was really excited about with Mourinho leaving is, like, no matter who we hired, we would just at least be past this, like, selection drama bullshit. And largely, we have been. Like, you know, there's been reporting that Nuno's been very upfront with players about what he expects and what he's doing with them. You know, Delhi's been, I think, like, I don't want to say, I don't want to get too carried away because it's preseason, but I think for a guy who was frozen out of the team last year, Delhi's done about as well as you can expect this preseason, especially when he was jammed into some roles that aren't necessarily a natural fit for him. You know, it's, it's, I was looking forward to being kind of done with this. And, you know, maybe that's not what's happening. Maybe it's just miscommunication and bad reporting and whatever, but it's just, I just want, I just want him to start the good players mostly and maybe occasionally we'll get angry like we did at Pochettino for, you know, his squad selections and individual games. But we, we're not worried that, uh-oh, Ndombele didn't start this week. That means we're going to sell him and he's mad at the club again. Like, I just that's what I'm tired of. Ben, you're muted. Oh, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> Brian's been vindicated. Ben with a Y muted his mic. Oh, my God. Oh, Brian is muted, criticizing <laughs> me being muted now. I wasn't criticizing. I was talking to myself, probably. Oh, and and there and, and there was only one. Yeah, I baited Brian into it. That's what this was. This was a, <laughs> I set the trap, and he walked right into it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. Um, this yeah, is great just, content, guys. It is. All, it really is. I think all there is to say, really, is like, we have like a Rorschach test of reporting. If you're inclined to believe that Ndombele is like a lazy piece of shit, you're going to look at this and be like, he's a lazy piece of shit, fuck him off. If you're inclined to make excuses for Ndombele like I am, you're going to be upset with Nuno or, you know, want to know more. But I think we know nothing concretely. And until we do, I think don't panic about it. And that's the best we can do. <laughs> Yeah, it just would have been nice to see him play at some point in yes. any single one of our preseason games. Yes, as a substitute. Right, like, he was surely bench fit to come on for like yeah. fucking 10 minutes and run around. Like, come on. Like, give me that. Yeah. Now, like, but that said, that said, if, if, if he's dealing with fitness issues, we're playing Arsenal. Like, it, maybe it's maybe it's different if we're playing Colchester or Athletic Bilbao or something in the last game. We shouldn't have been playing Arsenal and, in a preseason friendly. Right. Another reason why you shouldn't play fucking Arsenal. Well, Deli Alley went through, what was it, Pepe? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, like, appreciate it. And I appreciate uh, Hoiberg, like, stepping up to Arteta. But, like, these are not things we should be doing in preseason games. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, like, Hoiberg got cleaned out. Skip got cleaned out. Tanganga got injured. Like, it's just, it's not not a good thing to do in a friendly. It's stupid. I mean, we won, and that's great. It's always good to win a North London Derby. But, I mean, surely you could find stupid. another team at the level of, like, Arsenal and other leagues. Like, Hamburg's in the German second division, right? We could have played them. <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs> does, does Lewis Holtby still play for Hamburg? Yeah, exactly. That's the kind of caliber of player we were playing against this past week. Yeah. And, you Bring know. home cult hero Lewis Holtby. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so, we, so we've so we talked about, uh, you know, problematic players like Ndombele, or uh, players having problems at least. We've talked about uh, snakes like Harry Kane. Let's talk about, you know, one of our own, a lifelong Spurs, someone who's dedicated his, his uh, you know, heart and soul to the shirt. Of course, I'm talking about Christian Romero, our new center back signing, who whatever else we can say about him certainly knows how to go about a charm offensive. Like, I am utterly charmed by our new Argentine. Uh, 
he's cooking gigantic like dinosaur steaks from the from the Flintstones at uh, Hugo Lloris's house. He's he's playing FIFA with his Argentine buddies. I don't know. He's done a lot to ingratiate himself despite not having played a minute on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to be great. <laughs> uh, I I mean, look, he looks really great in the kit. Um, you know, he seems. His interview at the beginning was, uh, he seems like a nice guy. He he looks a lot younger in those interviews than he does when he's, like, trying to cripple Brazilians in Copa America games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is really young. Um, I, and, and I think that's one of the interesting things about this signing is, is you know, he, he if he's good, he's going to be here and going to be good for a long time. Um, the thing I noticed about him is he's not very big. Um, you know, like you don't look at him and see, you know, Toby or even Vertonghen. Uh, like he's, he seems in jeans and a t-shirt to be kind of slight. Um, but I'm, you know, I've seen him play for Argentina and I'm not particularly worried about it. Uh, but it's just, it was interesting to just, he, he just seems a lot smaller than he plays. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little backwards on it. I think from a lot of other fans experiences, I, I've probably, cause I just watched a bunch of Copa America this year cause I'm a father in COVID and have nothing to do with my life. Um, but you know, I, I thought he was really good in the Copa and again, again, it's the Copa, so take that for what it's worth. But uh, there's been a lot of talk about, is he just a unique fit for Atalanta's system? You know, and is that a bad fit for other people? Maybe that's true, but I mean, he looked in a fairly standard back line. I thought he was really impressive in the Copa. And, you know, I know you're not playing, you know, European competition there, but you're still playing Brazil. You're playing, you know, a good Colombia team. I mean, you're playing real talented players in that competition. And I thought, at least from what the games I watched, he, he acquitted himself very well, I thought. And most importantly, it sounds like he really wants to be here. Yeah, Harry. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and once again, we have another Argentine who wants to divide, devote his life and soul to this club. And uh, I think we should move out all of our English players from N17 and replace them with folks from Buenos Aires and... Other places in Argentina, but that's the only place in Argentina need, I can come up with. You need guys who understand, uh, you know, who understand the club and what it means to be a player for Tottenham. And you know, I don't think there's anybody who loves Tottenham more than Ozzy Ardiles. So it's you know, like just clearly we need to get some boys in here who 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 live for the shirt. And I think that means going to Argentina more often, which we might be about to do in a few days, where we really have an Argentine click. Uh, it'll be a shame that Gareth Bale didn't come back. So the Welsh mafia and the you know, Argentine cowboys or whatever can can have like a dance off on the training ground or something. I don't know how I feel about Argentine cowboys as a as a nickname. For gauchos, the there we go. We can call them gauchos. Let's, let's get with the culture, right? There we go. That's a little better. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, G. Gonna go ahead. I was just gonna say that G's as a hand sign are difficult to do. <laughs> so it really wasn't worth you coming back. I'm, I'm glad. No, 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 I'm, I'm glad. glad our, for that. I'm glad Brian is, uh, you know, from the slopes of, of Florida, is really giving us the education we need on, on gang signs. Um, I just think it's fun to have like a, a little national team core yes. at the club. Like it was fun when we had the Belgians. It was fun when we had the Croatians. You know, like yes, we had a bunch of English players, but that doesn't feel interesting. 
Um, and I, I guess like we had like Gazaniga, Los Celso, and Lamella, and we and Pochettino, but like <laughs> two of those guys didn't really play, and you know, it's not like a case where you're going to have your starting spine of of Argentina right. that we may imagine um, with Romero to Los Celso to Lotaro. Um, it's cool. It okay. is, and honestly, there is like I, I mean, I joked about it, but you know, given Spurs' history with Ricky Villa and Ozzy Ardiles, like, and now with Pochettino and Lamella and hopefully Maradona, yeah, exactly. America, well, Maradona played the Spurs shirt, like, you know, I think it's cool to have very good Argentines playing for Tottenham. I think it's neat. It's it's a weird thing about the club that I think is really cool, you know. Yeah, very cool, super cool. Although. This, it's so so sad that one of the Argentines is not still Eric Lamella. I know it is. Can you imagine Lamella with his with his boys cooking out like yeah. dinosaur steaks in in Jugularis's backyard for some reason? I mean, honestly, what a shitty summer to sell Eric Lamella right when we're about to sign two or potentially sign a second Argentine. Uh, you know, in this in this window, it's just like he could have been helping these guys settle. He could have been telling them, you know. Uh, you know, just what the good places to eat are, who to not allow to, you know, watch your dog, um, you know, all <laughs> sorts Law. of stuff. Matt Law, the answer is Matt Law. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all sorts of stuff, that he, wisdom that he accumulated over the years that he could have provided to these guys. I do like the story that along those lines, Paratici apparently kicked the tires on Messi, being like, hey, you know, you wanted to play with Romero, we've got him. We've got some other well, friends that's of yours. Like, the story. Apparently, you Messi, want it? <laughs> apparently, Messi was extremely mad at Barcelona for not going after Romero. <laughs> so, if Tottenham played a role in like destroying that relationship, boy, that makes the signing even better. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be real sad when Poach still can't win anything at PSG with Messi. But you know, whatever. real quick, do I don't think Pochino survives the season. Like, or at a minimum, he's not coached PSG next year. Do you guys think he's going to be a success there with these, with these guys? I mean, if he's not, he's much worse coach than I. No, imagined. but like he's going to win the league. But like, I, it's hard. Like Pep Guardiola is the best coach in the world by a long distance, and has been for a while. He hasn't won a Champions League in like a decade, you know. And that's not because he's a bad coach. Because the Champions League's hard to win because you need to be good and lucky. Like. I think it's very realistic this PSG team does not win the Champions League this year. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Um, I mean, I would argue that his not winning a Champions League recently is kind of down to him being a bad coach. <laughs> at, at least in the in the Champions League finals, you know? Well, he's only made one Champions League final since he la- won his last one, so. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about Pochettino or Pep right now. <laughs> well, that's a good, actually, good point. I don't know. I wish the best for Pochettino, but I think that is a that is a rough situation. It's weird to say that, but that there are a lot of expectations there, and it's like what he needs to do to keep that job is very hard. I mean, worst case scenario, it goes badly, and he comes back to Spurs. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. We just fire Nuno has a great year. We just fire him and bring in Pochettino because he's available, which I would totally do. It's just a really terrifying attack that that. That, that PSG team has. Like, it doesn't even matter, really, who's in right. midfield. Or, you know, because Messi will just drop into the midfield, it'll be fine. Or, you know... I, I, but it's also, like, they have a really good midfield and a really good defense, and they're rumored to be signing Camavinga as well, and it's just, like, they brought in Sergio Ramos. Like, they're fine. Yeah. I think yeah. the only thing they don't have is, what, 
one fullback. Like they signed Hakimi, and then so their other fullback still sucks. Um, so. Yeah, I saw a lot of graphics going around with like Angel Di Maria as like a left wing back. <laughs> People were like, oh, "Please stop doing that." Ben, were these graphics you were creating? Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's get back to Spurs because you know we don't want to fly too high on this podcast. Uh, look at this season. Season's about to start on Sunday, believe it or not. It's already here because time has no meaning in in COVID. Uh, how are you guys feeling going into the season? Like, I mean, I think I'm feeling a little bit better about the team having seen some solid preseason performances and. Delhi, this is going to sound weird. Delhi playing well has got me feeling good. And frankly, like the idea that either Kane's going to stay or we have a pretty good replacement lined up for him is also calling my nerves, even though I fully understand that like he and other parts of this team are going to require time to bet in. We still need to go get another center back, I think. Um, you know, it's, yeah, and there have been rumors about center back purchases as well. You know, we're, so we're not fooling ourselves that Sanchez is going to be good because I've seen some people doing that after the Arsenal game. Right, we're we're not gonna do that. I mean, but we could do that. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think so. We definitely need another one. But whatever. We could also finish sixth with Romero and one of Dyer or Sanchez. So, Brian, I think that's a good way to frame it. Like, where do you? What range in the table do you think Spurs can or will finish in this year? I mean, I think the range of positions is like fourth to sixth. I think you're fourth That's if everything positive. breaks. That's pretty positive after the last two years. I mean, I think, you know. Yeah, I think you're putting a really high floor on things, Brian. I don't know. I, I feel like you're fourth if everything breaks right. And I feel like we definitely have the sixth best team. Um, You know, I, I I still really don't know what's going on with Liverpool. Um, you yeah, know, I, I think, think I think people are underrated. I don't think Liverpool's necessarily going to be bad, but I think. People are underrating how easily this season could go poorly for Liverpool, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I think, you know, City, Chelsea, and probably also United are probably fairly solid as the top three. Um, really? I mean, I think United could finish at the top three, but I mean, I, I, I could see that going pear-shaped too, given their manager. <laughs> I mean, they just got Sancho. They're getting Rafael Varane. Like, they're they're going to be fine. Yeah, they also got Paul Pogba, like, and he's like a B-minus midfielder. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, they've got Bruno. He'll win enough penalties that it, it's fine. Like, you know, I I think, you know, I think the question is, is like, where where's Liverpool there in that situation? Are they Are they level with United? Like, do we think that, you know, their attackers pick it back up after last year do they avoid injury does you know the midfield play better third last year like yeah and that was with what van you know no van dyke that was with a rotating cast of weird central defenders that right they're playing like jordan henderson at center back yeah (laughs) fabinho like but i think they're 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 putting a lot of eggs in van dyke's gonna be his old self basket this year and i mean maybe he will be but i think i mean they've if, if he was bought, a Spurs player, Panate from Leipzig, like you know, another injury-free fit, also another injury-free player. <laughs> I, I don't know if, if Van Dyke was a Spurs player, I would be convinced that you know he would be a shell of his former self this year. Right, but since he's not, I'm going to be convinced he's that's fair. Be the best center back ever. That's <laughs> so. fair, actually. And I mean, I think didn't, isn't uh, one of their fullbacks already hurt? Like, didn't? Uh, 
Yeah, Robertson uh, just got hurt. So, I don't know. Uh, so, so I guess they're the one I don't really know about in terms of what's going to happen with them this year. So, they're in that conversation, I guess, for third, fourth as well. Um, Lester, I have no idea. Like, Fofana getting hurt really kind of uh, you know, <laughs> might make their early season really weird. Um, he was so good last year, um, but they did just beat, you know, Man City for uh, a, a sort of trophy. So and a sort of Man City. <laughs> yeah. That lineup. Um, so, but I don't know. I don't think Vardy's going to be that good this year. But Daka looks like he might be good, and I've always liked Ianacho, so maybe that yeah. makes up for that. And Ianacho killed it at the back end of last season. You know, Fofana's out, but Soyuncu's back. Harvey Barnes is back. I mean, James Madison might go to Arsenal, so that might make them worse. Um, Arsenal or, Arsenal or Leicester. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just I just really do think that we're kind of, like, in the, in the frame for fourth to sixth. I don't – I just – I, I do think p- people are underrating how good this team could be because the last two years have been such a train wreck under Mourinho and a little bit under Pochettino before that. I, I do think we have better players than we get credit for. Of course, the problem is, are we going to play all of those better players? And then what happens without Harry Kane? Ben, where do you think we're going to – like, what range do you see Spurs in this year? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Man City and Chelsea are pretty clearly a cut above the rest of the league. Um I agree that Man U and Liverpool are probably are the next two. I think they're still some way ahead of us. Again, they were some way ahead of us last season. And Man U at least got a bunch of good players. Um, you know, I think Liverpool solved a lot of the problems that they that plagued them last year. Um, I think if things go really well for us, we could compete with them. But I don't think it's likely. I think just given where we're both we're all coming from from last year, the work we have to do to get there, especially if we sell Harry Kane, who, you know, even in our best case scenario, we're still bringing a new player to a new club with a new manager, and that's a hard thing to yeah. to transition. If Lataro so, like just gets firing in December and is great for the rest, that still might cost us top four. So I mean, that's worth remembering. Right. And, you know, again, we so all the other clubs that finished above us last season may still do so. Um, you know, I think Aston Villa have reinvested the Grealish money well. Um, I don't think that necessarily means they're going to be good. But, like, there's a lot of good teams. If Arsenal signs, you know, they're rumored to still be in talks with Abraham because he doesn't want to leave London. And so if they match Roma's bid, suddenly they're looking at a very good striker instead of, you know, the shambling corpse of Aubameyang and... Lacazette. They still you know, need to sign Odegaard too, or they they have the same midfield problems they have they had before you got there. So yeah, but like you know, there's still a lot of unknown in terms of business mm-hmm. that I think really changes the equations. Like if we don't get Lotaro Martinez and we get someone shitty to replace Harry Kane, um, I feel way worse about yeah. where our ceiling is. So you know, Brighton last year were a team that you know by expected goals like should have been like a top six club and said they were like thirteenth and. You know, does the luck break the right way? Do they make a few good signings that change their their stars? I don't know. Um, it's, I think it's not as clean how how competitive or not competitive that mid table might be this season. And I have learned in the last couple of years not to expect things 
and not to take things for granted. So I, if, if we aren't good this season, I wouldn't be shocked, but I agree that the potential is there for things to be very good. I mean, West Ham finished above us last year and I just can't see that happening again. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like that's a one season wonder from David Moyes type of thing. And they haven't done anything in the transfer market this summer. Um, they signed 31 year old Craig Dawson permanently. So, and, and uh, former Fulham and PSG goalkeeper Alphonse Ariola alone. So, uh, he's I a mean, good goalkeeper. I mean, Fulham got relegated last year, though. So, I don't think that's Ariola's fault. Come on. Uh, no, probably not. But, but still, um, you know, I, I just, I, I can't see them putting up another, you know, 65, 70 point season. Um, Whereas I can see Spurs doing that. And and there's no one else behind us, like, you know, a Leeds or Wolves or um, Brighton, like Ben mentioned, uh, that I can see even coming close to putting up the points necessary to get anywhere near us. I mean, Leicester, if, I mean, if we're talking about a top four race, like, I think Leicester is the team that you're obviously very concerned about if there is an opening, but... Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like, Wolves were very good with Raul Jimenez, and he's back. And that could be all they need to get back to being good. Like, they just didn't have anyone to finish attacks last year. And it, it wasn't too long ago where we were competing with them for top six on the last day of the season. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I think West Ham, even if they haven't signed anybody yet, They've got guys like Ben Rama, who didn't really light the league up last year, but with another season, is very good and could be very good for them. And that could be the like a new signing signing that keeps them on pace for that 65, 70 points. You know, Pablo Fornals, I think, has still has room to to grow into himself at West Ham. There's I don't know. There's just there's reasons that other teams that were very good last year could get better this year. It's not. We're not the only ones who are going to improve here. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing with Spurs this year is like, I mean, it's the last two years have been so sort of just ugh to watch for so many reasons that like, even if it's kind of like Pochettino's first year, which I know wasn't all sunshine and roses, but you could see like patterns or foundations being established, and we start we end the year better than we start it. I mean, yeah, I'll take that. Like, I, I would like to finish in a Champions League spot. I would certainly like to finish in a Europa League spot, but. You know, I'll take, like, it looking like something coherent is being built and it being fun to watch, you know. And if, you know, I don't think that's beyond us this year. I, I really don't think that's beyond us this year. I think we have a very talented team. I think that a Champions League run isn't out of the question. But, you know, I, like, look, I'll take us taking a tilt at top four and winning a trophy. I'd be extremely happy with that. Yeah. Inaugural European Conference League winners, sixth place in a close run race against, uh, you know, Leicester and Liverpool for that that last top four spot. Hey, if you win the FA Cup, season. if you win the FA Cup, I'd be very happy with that. Honestly, as long as you you feel like you're getting positives for the next season, because part of the problem under Mourinho was like this is like this is the best like you know we're 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 aiming for now, buddy. We're not building for the future, so. You know, we'll see what it turns out into. I don't know. I'm more hopeful about Nuno than I was when the season when when he was hired. 
Now, part of that's just because we, we've, we've gotten some distance from the hiring process. And part of it, frankly, is I think Paratici has been at least, you know, we're going to see how the transfer window ends. But it's been better than I expected it to be, at least in terms of quality of target and how we're approaching it. I, I'm impressed with how we're going about our business. Now, you know, we still need to, you know, finish some of these deals. But it's it's been better than I thought it was going to be, considering what a train wreck our managerial process was. I mean, I think the thing you said was that it never felt like we were like had a project in mind. And you look at the signings last year of like Matt Doherty and Joe Hart and Gareth Bale. You know, now the age profile is much much better when you get guys like Romero and, um, you know, Lotaro Martinez and Brian Hill. Like these are young guys who are going to drop the average age of our squad back to what it was when we were first like becoming exciting under Pochettino. So it definitely feels like we're heading in a, a direction that like is the beginning of something a more sustainable direction desperately. Right. And I just like clinging to like this, this fading hope of what that team could be. Um, I guess the thing I'm not excited about for the new season is opening against Man City with a Harry Kane clown still hanging over things. Well, hey, if we can't play with Harry Kane, neither can they. So that's something. <laughs> Although we might be playing with Harry Kane. So who knows? He's fit and available for selection. Yeah. Brian, Brian how do you, let's start with you. I mean, how are you feeling? I don't think, I can't remember the last time I felt good about playing City. <laughs> um, but I don't feel good about, I guess there's an argument to be made that if you're going to play City, do it now when they're still a little out of sorts. Because uh, they didn't look great in the, in the charity shield, which I don't think is that instructive because they're going to have more of their starters in a week, but. I mean, they're still not going to have a lot of these guys. There's not, not no De Bruyne, no Foden. Um, you know, uh, I, is is Jesus? I guess back now from international duty. I think so. Yeah. So, so I mean, I don't know. I think they said no Grealish. Grealish played. In the, I mean, it's a charity shield, so I mean, I would imagine he'd be a sub. So I don't know. I mean. You're right. I think if you're going to play them, play them now before they've signed, I don't know, Harry Kane, um, or before some of the rest of their guys get really fit. But, um, yeah, it still doesn't feel great. It's not an ideal way to start the season. But, you know, maybe we maybe we'll surprise us. We, we've we had some good results against Manchester City. Well, we have lots of um, good results. You just never feel good about it till it's over. <laughs> right, exactly. And so I guess for that reason, you know, I would rather be playing them than, say, Liverpool – who we have gotten less good results against. That's one way of putting um, it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'll i take I'll take an opening match against a potentially depleted City team where we can maybe come away with something. Yeah, but, like, the last thing you want is to, like, get, like, waxed by Man City day one, especially when your star striker is trying to go there and you have to either convince him to stay uh, or, you know, convince them to pony up. It's, like... It's just not a good tone setter for yeah. for what's to come. Like you'd like to ease into it with like a Brentford or a Watford, and uh, you know hope to be like, okay, we weren't great, but we like we got the three points. We can build on this. I mean, best case scenario is we beat them five nothing, and they're like, ah, oh, we really need a striker, and they <laughs> pony up the hundred and sixty million for Harry yeah. Kane. Well, it's it it sucks too because win or lose, and it's probably going to be lose, unfortunately. Win, lose, or draw, actually, and it's probably going to be lose. You know, we're probably not going to learn a lot about 
how this team's going to look in the future because we're probably going to, you know, it's going to be a rear guard action with lots of counterattacking, I'm guessing, and probably more so than most teams we play because, like you said, Ben, Chelsea and City are a bit of a cut above the rest. And, you know, we saw how bad we looked against Chelsea in that preseason game. Although, it, again, admittedly, lots of not anything resembling a full-strength squad for Spurs and we were much rustier, but, you know, still, I think you can, you know, it's concerning. And you would hope we could do something against City, but I am not expecting a lot. But I can't remember the last time I expected a lot against it. It was maybe Guardiola's first year. I know we've had a lot of good results against them, but, you know, it never feels, you never feel good playing City, unfortunately. (laughs) What's your what's your score prediction? Three nil city. <laughs> Crushing one one draw. Ben. Uh I think it's a two nil city, but it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, that. that's and it's just you know, I don't know. That's why I'd like to be playing a Wolves or a Brentford, or even a Leicester. Like you just might learn more about what we're gonna look like this year, which I think is one of the things I'm most excited about this season is you know, if you could say anything about this preseason, we, we've looked coherent in a way that I don't think we've looked coherent in, like, years. I mean, maybe since, like, the air raid under Pochettino before the Champions League final. Like, we, we just, we, it looks like there's a plan in place in a way that is a little more sophisticated than what Mourinho is doing. And I'm just, hopefully that works out. Because it would just, I would be very excited if Spurs are just not a chore to watch this season. And it's been, you know, it's been a while since we could say that. Yeah, give me a season that feels good and fun, and that is going to go a long way. Yep, pretty much. Well, on that note, it's time to wrap it up. Uh, Brian, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. Ben, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade Spurs. And you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079, and you can follow any of those Twitter accounts to see us tweeting snake emojis out before the transfer deadline, I'm sure, uh, when Harry Kane does something. So for Ben, for Brian, for Brett Rainbow, and of course uh, for, I don't know who else it's for, our new Twitter account, WDR Podcast, which I think is like a year old today. Yeah, for that, for, for our year old Twitter account, for our podcast, which I keep calling new. I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs. Please get a win. It would be really nice to start the season with a win, Spurs.